8. 1 Corinthians 8. Hallelujah. We talked about it already today, thanking God for His truth that makes us free. Amen. And uh, I hope you're hungry for the Word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next week, uh, next Wednesday, I'll be uh, in Mississippi. Going to be driving down to Mississippi. Pray for that, that God keep me safe and sane. For the, not just for the, uh, the, the two days of driving down and two days back, but just being in Mississippi, I guess. Pray that God keeps my mind. But I will be preaching for Brother Parks while I'm down there. And I know everybody's saying, hey, why did he come up here and preach for us? I know. Okay, that's all I can say. I know, right? So I will put the pressure on him, and uh, so uh, I promise. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 8, verse 1. Thank you for your prayers. And let's ask God to help us tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth, God. Help us, I pray, in a day, Lord, like we live in today, God, to just have ears to hear what your spirit would say. Guide us, Lord. Give us just what we need. We love you. We praise you, God. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. First Corinthians 8, verse 1. Kind of an interesting situation going on here in Corinth that Paul is dealing with that isn't really something that we deal with directly, apples for apples so much, but I think there's always an application. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. But listen to this. Knowledge puffeth up. But charity, somebody say love, edifieth. And if any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. That's just God being our Father. You think you got some knowledge, you probably don't know it as good as you think you do. You probably have something to learn. I know I do. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Let's drop down to verse 11 for sake of time. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Wow, that puts things into perspective. But when you sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make thy brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend or to stumble. God bless you. You can be seated. What was happening in this uh, culture, they were in a very heathen, pagan area, really. Roman uh, Greece, really, was where it was. And they... Uh, Worshipped a lot of false gods. And some of the places in the market would actually sell steaks and things like that. But uh, before they would sell it, they would have kind of a little ceremony, a ritual, and offer it under their false gods. And God's delivered us from all that idolatry. I'll tell you, if you uh, know anything about your Bible... And there's a lot of things that God says are an abomination to him. That, that means, uh, really in so many words, I, it makes me sick to my stomach. 
that God says, I, I don't just kind of mildly dislike it. I, I really hate this. And that's one of the main things that you'll see referenced almost really the, the, the definition to God of something that is an abomination is idolatry. So, uh, you know, he said, I'm, uh, you know, worship no other gods before me. And, and uh, praise God, he made that very clear. But uh, there's a principle here that's going on that the Lord is saying that, um, you know, you, uh, you like your steaks and you like the, the things that are sold in the market. And, and you can't turn around without things being pagan or being idolatrous in the, in the culture that you live in. And um, sometimes it's almost impossible to get away from. Now, we're not going to take those things and offer them to our God. The Bible's very clear that uh, God said, when I bring you into this land, these are a bunch of idol worshipers. I'm going to tell you how to worship me. I'm going to tell you what I like. And don't go and bring me the worship of the, the heathens and to their and say, you know what? I kind of like the way they do things. I'm going to do that for God. God says, that's not that's not really worship. When you are doing what you like and offering it to me. The very word profanity, it means to bring something across the threshold of the temple or the tabernacle that is uh, unclean or unholy. And God told them, don't profane my temple, my, my presence with their worship. And you know, the thing is, their worship it's you can't hardly even really get into teaching it in mixed company. It was so vile. Right. Not only the filth of uh, of the the blood sacrifices they offered their children in the most horrible ways to their pagan gods, but the the lewdness, the 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 sexual deviance that was associated with their worship. I mean Corinth was known for temple prostitutes. Yeah. So uh, God says, you know, I've called you. Come out from among them. Be separate. Don't touch the unclean thing. But he also realizes that there's going to be some people that come into church and they don't understand just everything that you understand. Amen. Now, some of that Paul dealt with in Rome, that some of the people were going to come from a background of Judaism. And they're going to think they have to keep the law. Now, he was really, really angry with people that said, you better keep the law of Moses. The, the Pharisees and the Judaizers that say, if you don't keep the law of Moses and love Jesus, you're not really saved. He would just just go off on them. But sometimes people that are just coming into the church and they don't know a whole lot. And uh, that's all they knew. He said, you know, their conscience is weak and they're saying, yeah, but I, I can't. I still don't think I'm comfortable with bacon and pork chops. And he said, don't, don't, uh, don't flaunt that in front of them. They're weak. They don't understand. But there was also weakness on the other side that some people were so afraid of everything and anything. Uh, and, and he said, don't, don't, don't push that on them. Love them and edify them. Your love needs to help build people up. See, the thing is, one of the hardest things about really just loving Jesus and loving truth is there. It's always been this way. I tell you this so often that religion 
has really just infiltrated and, and got into people's traditions and the way that they, they, they see, it's, it's incredible to tell somebody, hey, you know, uh, the Bible really talks about, well, I mean, just about everything, single thing about Jesus and about baptism and about uh, living for God. uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but baptism is one of those things. You know, people, oh, you know what? I was baptized when I was a baby. You know, they sprinkled some water over me and said, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, made the sign of the cross and everything. You say, well, I don't, that's not in the Bible. The Bible says, believe and be baptized. Bible says, repent and be baptized. Amen. There's just so many things that people, it's hard for them to really, really say, Hey, wait a minute. Are you saying that, that, uh, my church is wrong? Well, we're not trying to come against anybody. Just telling you what's right. Just trying to point you to, to what's right. And, and, and so often it's a, it's a real struggle because people get really entrenched. They know that's why my grandma did it. Well, that's okay. But you know, kind of like what uh, some of you were saying tonight, you just really got to keep praying and learning and growing. Amen. So many people. It, it seems like there's been there's there's so many people that that consider themselves Christians and and uh, I'm not going to debate that, but they they they've never been taught what real repentance means. They they. They say, well, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and I, I believe in Jesus. And Jesus uh, told them to, that repentance and remission of sins in my name should be preached in all nations in Luke 24. And that uh, Peter said, repent. Amen. Uh, and, and on and on and on, we could show you that, that, that it, it means when you really put your faith and confidence in God, that there's going to be a change of mind and a change of direction. And you're going to, you're going to be sorry for the way that not just what you considered your sins and the bad things that you know are chains, but everything that you in your life thought was a good idea. You say, you know, I'm turning that and letting God show me. Yeah. Amen. You know, I, I, I said this before, one of my sons was, went to a job interview and I guess he was, uh, you know, they were, he was young and, and, and probably I think had already worked at McDonald's maybe or something was going to a, to a, a, you know, a fancier restaurant like Panera, I think it was, you know, (laughs) that's fancier than, than McDonald's. (laughs) And, uh, and they said, well, if this happened, what would you do? And he said, well, being in the food industry, I know that this is important and this is what you have to look out for. And this is the customer, blah, blah, blah. And they said, it's a good answer. And I said, that is a good answer. But the better answer is I come from a background of all kind of knowledge of how they used to do things. I'm going to let you tell me how you do things. And he went to another restaurant, another fancy one like Panera or something. I don't know. And they asked him the same thing. Hey, if this happened and a customer was unhappy and blah, 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 what would you do? He said, well, I know what they told me to do, but I, I want to know what you want me to do and how you want me to do it. And I'm going to follow that. And they said, that's the best answer I've ever heard. All right. You know, we come to God with a lot of our own ideas and our own morality and our own religious ideas. And, and some of us, you know, we're not the, the, the alcoholic or the drug addict. You know, I've been going to church since I was, you know, when I was born. And you got to say, wait a minute, God, how do you want me to live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. I, I'm not coming to you with my own idea of righteousness. Yeah. 
It doesn't matter how I was raised. How do you want me to live my life? We mentioned baptism and repentance and, and uh, you know, how, how they've taken away in so many circles, taken away uh, the blood and taken away the authority in the name of Jesus, taken away the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How, how, how sad religion has, has just uh, infiltrated and so much of it really uh, just... God help us, even even ministry, you know, to God. The Lord said, how how if you want to be great for his kingdom, be a servant, be a minister. That's what that means. But now we've got priests and fathers and and Jesus said, don't call anybody father. Amen. And on and on and on we can go. Even uh, we want to take a little bit of time here. I don't really want to blow your mind. I know a lot of people, but even even the idea of the resurrection. How many people have been talking about man, Sunday, man, Easter Sunday and 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 so much. Of, you know, I, I asked uh, somebody was asking me some questions here recently and and uh, I said, what kind of phone do you have? And they said, I have an iPhone. I said, well, that makes it easy. You don't even have to plug anything in. I said, just just talk to your phone. I'll find out if you have your phone on. I, I, I said, say, hey, Siri, their phone woke up. Anybody's phone wake up? <laughs> How do they decide what day to celebrate Easter? I said, because, you know, I was born February 15th, a few years ago. And uh, I said, you know, last year it was February 15th. This year it was February 15th. Next year it's going to be February 15th. I don't know what day of the week it was when I was born. I was going to look that up. But it might be Saturday. Next year it might be Monday. Right. But it's always going to be the same day. If you ask uh, Siri or Hey Google or whoever you uh, want to look it up and say, how do we figure out what day Jesus rose from the dead? Because we want to celebrate that. Do you know what the answer is? The first full moon after, it's a Sunday, after the first full moon that is on or following the vernal equinox. What's the vernal equinox? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Well, there's two times there's an equinox in the spring and in the fall. Sometimes the days are getting longer. Sometimes the days are getting shorter. But there's twice when the sun is at the highest point uh, in the sky where the days are equal. That's the equinox. There's one in the spring. There's one in the fall. Wait a minute. Which disciple was it after Jesus rose from the dead that said, hey, on the first full moon. <laughs> On or after the sun is at the highest point in the sky. One Sunday following, we will celebrate his resurrection. Does that even sound weird? You say, well, come on now. Well, it came from worship of the sun is exactly where it came from. Now, this is mind-blowing to a lot of people, but again, just look it up. Just do the... Because this is serious. You say, what's the big deal? The word Easter. Religion. Roman Catholicism. That took things into their hands, and many Protestants brought it with them when they moved out of mom's house. (laughs) The very word Easter 
If you look up the etymology, that means the definition and where that word came from. It doesn't mean resurrection. It doesn't mean Passover. It is a derivation of a Germanic springtime goddess, a pagan goddess that most likely I'll say, I believe without a doubt, that same goddess's name can be trans can be traced back to Canaanite and Babylonian goddesses of springtime and fertility. Astarte is in your Bible. Babylonian goddess Ishtar. And and I can't really pronounce it. It's E-O-S-T-R-E is this Germanic name, which is the most... God, why would we celebrate one this holy, holy, yeah. important day with the name of a pagan goddess god help us matthew 12 verse 38 it it, it, like i said do the research there's so much more i'm just going to touch a little things because this isn't really my message but uh, i do want to to bring across some knowledge but i want us to have a, a goal with our knowledge. Matthew twelve thirty eight. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Now, this was a very specifically Jewish thing because they knew that when Moses came to the people, God had already told him, you're going to, to deliver them. And Moses said, they, they're pretty stubborn. They're not going to believe me if I go to them. He said, I'm going to give you a sign to prove who you are. And the Jews knew that that's what God gave Moses. So they're always looking for the sign. They think that's just a precedent. And no matter who you are now, you better show a sign. If God sent you, you're going to have a sign. So they came to Jesus and said, what's your sign? Not a Zodiac, but you know what I mean. What's the sign that you would have to prove who you are? And he said, Look what it says, verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. See, this something God did through Moses. He said, that's not something you need to just always be asking everybody comes along. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. I had mentioned this here recently. I just want to take a little bit of time here uh, and say that uh, Jesus said, there's only one sign I'm going to give this evil and adulterous generation. I'm going to give them the sign of Jonas or Jonah to prove who I am. For as Jonas was three days and three nights, three days and three nights. I, I have no idea why anybody wants to say, I don't think Jesus really meant what he said. Three days and three nights, 72 hours. Amen? In the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights, 72 hours, in the heart of the earth. According to religion, according to traditions of men, Friday coming up is going to be Good Friday. That's the day that Jesus hung on the cross and died. So sometime in the evening of that Good Friday... That uh, is when Jesus was crucified. And then sunrise, Sunday morning, is what is traditionally believed to be 
the day of the resurrection. Friday evening to Saturday evening to Sunday morning. You don't, you don't need a calculator to figure out that somebody's wrong. And my vote is that it's not Jesus. Amen. You say, well, it doesn't matter. When, when our religious ideas, it, it doesn't matter that we're using words for, we're going to talk about it, Lord willing, Sunday morning. The resurrection, without the resurrection, the crucifixion is really pays for our sins, but we, we have no hope of, of heaven. So it's, he says, without it, we are men most miserable. So this, if you really believe it's that holy and you want to be excited about that, let's not, let's be excited about it with the truth of God's word. Amen. Three days and three nights. Biblically, you can figure it out. You can do the math and you can see just exactly. We're not going to break it down and take the whole service to show you just exactly. But the Bible tells us it didn't, he didn't rise at sunrise. They came at sunrise and the, the tomb was already empty. He had risen before the sun came up. So, so I have to make a decision. Am I going to follow the word? Let all men, Jesus, the Bible says, let all men be liars. Yeah. I believe Galatians says it. Let God's word be true. Amen. Yeah. So I just want to know what the Bible says. And I see and I realize there's so much. Why are there so many denominations? Why are there so many, many uh, people? You're wrong and you're wrong and we're right. Can I tell you something? If we'd all just get in tune with the word of God. If we'd all just surrender and say, God, let your word be right. Let your word be true. It doesn't matter what denomination, what kind of man-made organization I belong to. Amen. What's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? John four I know it's it's it can it can blow your mind sometimes to realize just how you know in a day like today listen in a day like today when you read the news and you wonder what's really going on right. yeah. <laughs> you know with whatever it might be you know elections you say who's who's really running the show right, right? I mean, there used to be a time, let's be honest, there used to be a time where you'd be like, you know, you hear those weird people that think there's some kind of conspiracy, and now you're like, oh, dude, this is just too weird. I wonder what's really going on. I got tired after a while saying, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but now I just tell people, I have no idea what's going on. I just know you need the Holy Ghost. (laughs) All I know is look to Jesus and let him fill you up, And, and God can work all that out. Amen. Verse chapter four, John verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers, somebody say true worshipers, Jesus is talking to this very religious woman at the well and says to her true worshipers. He just got done telling her ye worship what you know, not so she had some ignorance to her, but she was, she got excited to learn. So that's awesome. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God's looking for true worshipers. God's looking for somebody that's saying, I don't care what anybody says. I love you. I love who you are. I love what you do. I love what you said. I... Hallelujah. Yes, sir. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I have learned knowing God is, well, it's, it's commonly, most everybody will tell you it's a relationship, of course. It's not religious traditions, it's getting to know him. And, and I have found that's, you just, it's, a, it's a continual process of just shedding off things that, God, I'm learning about you. I'm growing in my knowledge of you. And I'm learning more that I read and more that I pray. The more that I just want that pure, unadulterated relationship with you. Not what I think about you. Not what I've heard about you. I want to know you personally. And sometimes you have to look at things and say, wow. It's just uh, something I've thought all my life. And, and, and now I know the truth. You know, nowadays, uh, I hear this phrase a lot. Especially now. You know, people, they're... Uh, it's not a new thing that people struggle with who they are, their identity on a lot of different levels. But we've got this idea now that people can say, well, you know, uh, what I define male or female is, is my truth. Isn't that neat? My truth. See, and your truth is how you kind of process everything. Now, we can all have opinions. Right. We can all have thoughts on matters. But truth is an absolute. There's not a my truth and a your truth. You know, I can, if if you come to me and say, Hey man, you owe me $20 and I hand you a five and say, well, my truth is that's the same thing. Who are you to judge my truth? Right? Right? Right. You'd start judging me. You'd start, stop trusting me. Amen. My truth says, You know, that uh, I had the right of way. (laughs) You know, I know what the sign said on the side of the road, but when I cut you off and you had to swerve off into the into the ditch, my truth says, you know, usually our truth is me central. Every church can't have its truth. Again, God said, I am the way I am the truth. The Lord said, Amen. amen. Jesus said in John 17, in his prayer, he said, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth, O Lord. His word is truth. And we have to conform ourselves to that. We have to make up our minds day by day. Who's in charge here? My truth or the truth? My way or the way? Amen. They must worship him in spirit and in truth. I, I, if you want to turn to it, I'm, but Leviticus 2, it says, it's talking about the different sacrifices in the Old Testament. And we understand, I, I just read through these recently, uh, first about six or seven chapters of Leviticus, and there's atonement offerings, there's peace offerings that are like a fellowship, and uh, what you do to just 
bring a free will offering to God just because maybe God did something special for you. We heard about offerings tonight a little bit. There's there's offerings that were made if you uh, sinned and uh, ignorantly against the Lord and and, and uh, different offerings for different uh, uh, stations in life. You know, more responsibility to maybe leadership and ministry than than and and what they needed to do if they stumble because too much is given, much is required. Right. And all these different. Uh, Offerings, we see Jesus in them. He's the offering that we need. We see Jesus is our atonement. Jesus is our, our, our repentance. And, and when we stumble, he's our, 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 our offering. And he's the one we come into his presence for fellowship. And Leviticus 2.13 says, Every oblation or sacrifice of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering, thy meat offering, and all offerings shall be thou offer with, and all thine offerings shalt thou, thou shalt offer salt. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Right. And what did he mean by that? He meant there's that we are, we are a, like a light. It goes on to say the light of the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We are the witness. We are the seasoning by which we bring Jesus to our job. Amen. Bring Jesus into our, into our families and into our neighborhood. Right. That no matter where we are or what we're doing, that, that, that flavor, that savor of Jesus. Yeah. I'm getting back to what we started with. There's a lot of things in this world that, that we see that are, really have some some not so righteous origins and uh and it matters it does matter when you try to offer it to god when you bring it into your worship because we got to worship god in spirit and truth but don't forget that you are maybe the only chance somebody is going to get to see jesus you can know you know a sword can destroy and the Bible is a sword of the Spirit. God uses that sword to, to deliver his word into our hearts. But he doesn't destroy or damage. Right. Knowledge can puff up. Be careful. Our testimony is not, hey, you know who's wrong? You are. <laughs> that means guess who's right. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Right, right. Our message, our witness... Our testimony is Jesus. And we want to do everything we can to keep the focus on him. It's not always easy. People ask straight out questions about what we believe about things. I always try my best. I'm not going to hide or, or, or I'm excited about the truth, but I want it always. I say, God, I want to glorify you. I want to honor you. I want it to be something, you know. Brother Chris invited somebody to church here a while back. We're praying for him. And, and uh, you know, the worship just, you know, how it can be the first time you just see people just in the spirit. And it's very, very different. And it's, it's just such a neat, neat thing that he said. He said, yeah, it was uh, so different, so, so strange to me, but so inviting. You know, what a great testimony that is for you. That your life is different, but inviting. 
that they're going to know, hey, when, when, it's, when I'm done telling you, answering your question, I want them to know, hey, there's somebody that's got something better than what I have. They got somebody. You know, what an important thing. I was praying this week thinking about this. God, what one of the most important things that I think is going to really matter one day is someone in, is someone in heaven because of me? Is someone in heaven because of me? I, uh, I don't want my knowledge to destroy. I don't want my, I want to be, I want to find that this is, this is where spiritual maturity is, uh, is in the foremost because we can know so much in a day full, so full of error and so full of, of man's traditions and form of godliness and everything that Jesus said, everything that the word of God says would happen is happening. Not a shortage of worshipers, but just not a lot of spirit and truth. But there's a lot of, listen, listen, a lot of good folks that mean well, don't know any better that are in churches that aren't feeding them in places that they, they're not learning what the Bible's really saying. And, and uh, that doesn't mean they're horrible, evil people that chose to do wrong. They just, there are some people I've never, they read their Bible, just never really clicked, never really considered it. And we need to kind of be like Aquila and Priscilla. Remember, the Bible says they came and somehow there was Apollos. He was a man who was eloquent in the word, but he didn't know it all. And Quill and Priscilla expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. I love that because it didn't say he they corrected all his stupidity because he was so wrong and he should have known better. More perfectly. Sometimes. I know, let me just say it this way in, in love. Sometimes you have a hard time respecting people that they're wrong, when they're wrong and not realizing, you know, just where they are and they just need somebody to shine a little more light. All right. Amen. Yeah. Say, but they're wrong. Yeah, you can. God loves them. Right. Amen. Right. They may be so sincere, but they can be sincerely wrong. Sure. Mm-hmm. Don't be a stumbling block to them. Right. Don't be that one. That we read about in First Corinthians eight, that you sin against someone with a weak conscience and cause them to stumble because your knowledge has puffed you up. Let there always, always, always be a you know people come into church and uh, love them. Amen. Let me let me get back to to how the Lord just laid it on my heart. Do they see you? Do they see me? Loving Jesus. Is that the first thing? Not not uh, my knowledge. Amen. But do they see me loving Jesus? Do they see me following Jesus? So important. Am I a friend? Like Jesus. Well, praise God. You know, this is this is something uh, that we all need challenged on. To have patience with somebody, to, to, to not give up on somebody. Not the best we can do, 
but supernaturally through God's spirit like God does. Amen. Before you give up on anybody, let me ask you something. Did, did Jesus give up on them? Amen. Before you just say, hey, they're not worth my time. Did, did the Lord tell you they're not worth his time? There's going to be times where you are tested. There's going to be times where your patience has run out, but that doesn't mean God's patience has run out. So you still want to be on the payroll, don't you? You want to be employed by his kingdom, so to speak. So don't, uh, don't quit when God says, you know what, it's not time to quit. Amen? Be a friend. Love people. Care about people. Amen. Look at the... See, because... I know this is tough for some of you to hear maybe, but listen, Jesus, he preached the truth without a doubt. He preached against sin, but he was constantly ministering, serving, loving, healing. Amen. Went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That needs to be our goal. Amen. And maybe when somebody sees that you care, they know that you really have time for them and it, it's real. It's not just, well, if you're not coming to church, then psh. What's the point? Yeah. You know, I'll move. Well, what else you got going on is so important. Be the friend. Care about people. Let God's love flow through you. Amen. And maybe the Bible just does tell us, not maybe, but maybe they will ask because the Bible says, be ready to give an answer. Amen. Might just be that there's some other things that might be much more important and instrumental in them knowing and loving and serving Jesus other than the the facts of certain specific aspects of religious tradition that are wrong. And maybe that will just fall into place once they really just surrender to God. Well, praise God. You know, God, he's got to get you in church. He doesn't clean you up to get you ready to repent. You you just surrender. You got to surrender to God first. Amen. And if we can just... Be an instrument of God's grace. Be an instrument. See in this world. Say, well, I'll tell you what. It it shouldn't be so tough for people. We're living in the last days. Don't waste your time trying to figure out why people haven't surrendered to God yet or what's taken them so long to really just give 100%. Don't waste your time. Give that to God. You just focus on giving them the best chance possible. Amen. Knowledge, we can sit around. I'm going to tell you, if we sit around and talk about how right we are, how wrong everybody else is, don't get out there, minister, serve, love, give ourselves. Are we more like Jesus or more like Pharisees? Amen. Amen. But if we shine the light, care about people, let them see us following, loving Jesus, loving them like through the love of Jesus. Maybe just maybe they're, they'll surrender to God and God will start sanctifying them too and leading them, teaching them, helping them grow. Yeah. Knowledge puffs up. I want knowledge. They desire knowledge. The Bible tells us it's important, but it'll puff you up if you're not careful. But charity is going to edify. Charity is going to build people up. Charity is going to have the wisdom to take all that knowledge that you know because you love Jesus, you spend time with him, you talk to him all the time, and you are in his word all the time. He's going to take all that knowledge you have and use it to edify people, use it to build people up, use it to strengthen them and point them to Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer.
What a challenge. Hallelujah. I know, kind of lay some of this truth on you like I did, and, and it's there. You just go ahead now. You know, we'd have to go get a whole encyclopedia set, Britannica, or world book, and uh, make a photocopy of a page or something like that. But now with the Internet, man, you can just get more information than you ever dreamed at a click. But the truth is, you, you, if you get more knowledgeable about the Word of God, the truth, it'll make you free. It'll lead you away from so many of false traditions that we can go back to the origins and tell you just who and where it entered in, what century it was, because, like I said, where do you find in the Bible a purgatory, a confessional booth, and so many of these things? But listen, there's souls. That's the most important thing. There's souls that we want to reach. Let's love and edify with the knowledge that we have. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's ask God to help us, give us wisdom. and lunches or would you have to buy somebody something that they need help somebody fix something that they need you're, you're always looking for a way to just shine that light listen there's not going to be any compromise there's not going to be any kind of 
trying to dumb down the truth to win souls. So sad that today's ministry knows everything that I've told you is common knowledge. But we've kind of just said, well, we're just don't want to offend and hurt people. We're going to just try to use all these, maybe bring some bunnies and eggs around. But listen, no matter how much of this truth that I'm telling you that you understand it, it's so important that we don't forget this gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, it's holy. And it matters. It means something. Let's keep it mean meaning what it it's supposed to mean and use it shine and let people see the power of God in his truth hallelujah let's all stand again father thank you lord in a day again we just say that religion false religion has just tarnished so much, tainted so much of of what is taught today, but God help us to just keep our eyes on you, and as we do, Lord, that you would work through each one of us, Lord, to shine, to be the salt in everything we do, in our worship, our testimonies, let us consider to edify in love. Lord, I pray you bless each one of my brothers and sisters. Keep us safe as we travel. Lord, continue to work through us. Shine that light, God. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church.